0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 28, 2014. And today we are reading from the big book. And we are on page 2, paragraph 1, which begins with I Took a Night Law Course. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Mary H., 12 Traditions, Diane G., and reading the text, Larry K., Cheryl R., Rachel M., and Marie P. The reference number for yesterday, which was Monday, October twenty seventh, 2014, is 6985. 6985. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary H to please read the 12 Steps. Good morning, this is Mary H from Connecticut, a recovered compulsive overeater. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you. I will now ask Diane G to read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here this morning to read Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group might never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. At least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully fully sup- self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name net, ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11 our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page two, paragraph one, starting with I took a night law course. And I will ask Larry Kay to begin our study.
3: Thanks so much, Nell, for your service. I like te- a lot of teams, but Team Tuesday, that's my favorite. So, anyway, thank you. Larry, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, I took a night law course and obtained employment as an and as investigator for, a, for a, surety, a surety company. The drive for success was on. I proved to the world I was important. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. So, you know, here we are in Bill's story. And, uh, you know, when we in the doctor's opinion, just for some context, um the doctor's opinion laid out, you know, what the problem was. And um, you know, we learn in Bill's story, um, you know, through this standard textbook deal that we, we learn the progression of the disease. And so that's the whole key here is identification. And so here Bill is, um, you know, uh, Bill is uh in his story, he's uh, we find all the identification we need. I know I did. Um, says you know, you know the um, his work took him about Wall Street. Little by little, he became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? You know, and and the one thing you know, going back, he talks about the drive for success was on. I proved to the world I was important. Well, I definitely can identify with Bill Wilson here that's all I ever tried to do in my life, you know, is was just prove to the world that I'm just as important as anybody else in it. And, um, you know, it takes me back. I mean, here's, here's Bill Wilson describing, you know, the early excitement here, you know, drive for success was on. I can, it takes me back, you know, to, uh, the drive for success in my life, you know, or so I thought, and uh, I can remember, um, you know, working on, you know, finishing my undergrad and then my master's degree in uh, in psychology, counseling and then on to the PhD. And I, I'd like to tell you that that all you know, that drive for success, that that was uh you know it was all about helping people. After all, I was going to be in the helping profession. You know, wouldn't it make you know wouldn't it make logical sense that I was in it for you know, for to to help other people for altruistic reasons. Don't you believe it? That's not that's not the man that I was back then. It was all it was really always all about me, myself, and I. You know, if I help people along the way, that that'd be just fine. But it wasn't about them; it was about me. And uh, I can say that with honesty today, and I don't regret the pastor wish to shut the door on it. But I can identify, you know, in 2014, going back quite a few years now, um, with just where Bill was, you know, and he was early on in his disease. And just as alcohol was a part of his life, you know, as the drive for success was on, well, my binge foods were a huge part of my life. And uh, I can remember, you know, for example, um, cutting corners and uh, you know, and, and, and doing different things and developing all sorts of different ideas and reading about the, the theorists, uh, you know, Freud and Jung and and all these other theorists and how that may work, you know, for me. And I thought, you know, knowledge that was that was the power you know, that to drive my success. And I'll tell you, um, you know, what, what changed for me was uh, that this disease, and, and we'll see with Bill, it beat me into a state of reasonableness. It brought me to my knees. And uh, if we, you know, it's kind of like where I'll finish off is saying, you know, if we are studying math, you know, um, we, we, I might say, you know, let's go to Chapter 5, you know, let's get into the uh, complex algebraic equations. But, if you haven't learned you know the basics, the building blocks in chapters one and two and three, and you understand the problem, the math problem, and how to solve it, you can sit there in chapter Five all you want and see how to work the algebraic equation. Good luck, never worked for me. I was a math avoider. That's kind of like what we do here. We need this chapter because um you know back in the day they didn't have the technology, so they needed to hear someone's story and identify in understand the problem understand the progression of the disease. And then slowly but surely through that identification process, we'll move on to a solution. And so that's what's so important about this. And uh, I'm very grateful for Bill's story. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read?
4: Sarah I hear Santa. W. Santa?
0: For kisses? I hear, it. I hear Sarah W. Santa. We're kept. Let's go with that for now, and we'll come back to the rest. Good morning, Sarah.
5: Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Sarah W., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. Wow, you know, it's so good to be in Bill's story, and I just want to welcome anybody that's new on the line. Um, it's a great place to be in the in the beginning. And, you know, what I see and what I hear is, uh, you know, we're really talking about the beginning of Bill's spiral, spiral downward. You know, he's just starting into the alcoholism. Uh, we learned on the first page that, um, you know, he sees now that it's, it was an ominous warning that he failed to heed. You know that, uh, and, and we can see his progression of how he had this big shotism, which I know I have, I still have it, and it's one of the defects of character: pride and uh, an ego. And there's a lot of dishonesty in this in this particular part that we read this morning. You know, he's rationalizing. He's trying to tell his wife that, you know, um, you know, it disturbed his wife, and and yet he would tell her that, you know, men of great genius, you know, do their best work when they're drinking. And um, you know, I can, I can say that, you know, my mind tricks me into thinking that. Um, not only, not all in, in all areas of my life, I was dishonest. You know, in my personal life, in my professional life, in my um, with my food, um, just you know, that's part of the disease process. That you know, we're we're incapable of being honest, and that's why the first step is so great. That it's all about honesty. But, um, you know, this big shot is in this this thought that you know he has to prove himself that that um you know the only way that he can be anything um uh, in life is if others see him that way and if he has you know material things and it's going to get get worse and worse and and I think that's the um that's the sadness of the progressiveness of the disease you know I had um you know, I was really you know in 1995 when i came into the program i i got abstinent very quickly and um you know i was really involved in service i was working the steps i was in the big book and you know that 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 little tiny bit of lack of humility that i still had and i started feeling all puffed up and i started to use again and started to kind of question well maybe i'm not really a compulsive overeater maybe maybe i just have a little problem that you know with food and you know i can control it now i'm down in my weight everybody's telling me how good i look and that becomes pervasive and you start to think you know that rationalization you start to think hmm well, then I can take a little bit more food and I can have these things. And, you know, I guess to me, my disease is all about more, and more was never enough. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Santa, you're next.
6: Yes, good morning, everyone. My name is Santa H. from New Jersey, a newly recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful, recovered for today. Thank you, God. And thank you, Sarah and Larry, for that wonderful share. Yes, I can identify in here with Bill, and I just was so prompted to share this morning. Um, This paragraph reminds me of my adolescent years. Um, At the age of 12, uh, I watched my dad go from an alcoholic way of eating and, and a smoker to this health nut. And I was so fascinated by my father's way of life that at the age of 12, I became a vegan just like my dad. But on the other hand, my mother and my brothers, um, they didn't buy into our way of eating. I thought that my new lifestyle would keep me on the straight and narrow because I discovered, um, didn't know like I know today, that my alcoholic foods, about my alcoholic foods at a very young age. But just like in the Bill story it says, It all went well for a time, the potential alcoholic that I was. After school, I remember that I would um, go to the store and buy one small bag of candy, and I would sneak away and eat it. And I saw that behavior as so harmless. I didn't have a weight problem back then, and I was very athletic when I was in school. I get away from home. I attend college I didn't have my parents cooking for me anymore and watching what I ate anymore, and I even went to a college that was known for his vegetarian and vegan varieties, but that did not save me. There, I discovered that I had other alcoholic foods that I often used to keep myself awake for late night studying and to keep myself awake while I was in class. The amount of consumption of alcoholic foods increased slowly, but surely over the years from childhood and throughout my adult years. And although I remained a vegan for many, many years, and I married a vegan, none of that saved me. Back then, for me, being a vegan was a way of proving to the world I was important. It was a status symbol. I mean, you had to have money to be able to eat like that. At least that was my experiences. And also it was a true denial of my disease because I was trying to cover it up. I continued to eat more and more. Slowly but surely my weight increased and I became morbidly obese. My health began to deteriorate. I just blamed it on the stress of life. I never thought, nor was I willing back then to accept that I was a compulsive overeater. But things have changed for me today. Today, there is absolutely nothing in the world more important to me than keeping this compulsive compulsive overeater sober. Not taking one bite is by far the most important thing I do each day. I thank you, God, for this program. I thank you, God, for these steps. Again, my name is Asanta H. from New Jersey, and with that, I pass.
7: Thank you, Asanta. Marqueset, you're next. <laughs> thank you, Melanie. Um, I'm Marqueset Z. from California, recovered compulsive overeater. And what stuck out for me in this paragraph is that Bill's drinking is becoming a problem. Obviously, it's becoming a problem because he's arguing with his wife about it. Uh, and he's trying, what really uh, struck me is that he's not even trying to to regulate his drinking, he's defending drinking to his wife. Instead of telling his wife that, you know, oh my gosh, yeah, it's a problem, I need to do something about it. No, he doesn't see it as a problem because he's defending drinking. Great great men had great ideas while drunk. So it was okay for him because he was a great man. He was you know, his arrogance is so large. He was a great man and so therefore he could of course handle alcohol. Of course he could handle getting drunk once in a while. But, um, so he's in total denial here. He's, that, you know, his ego is just growing by bounds. He's trying to keep it all together, trying to placate his wife while still drinking and not thinking, according to what's written here, that he had any problem at all with alcohol. It was just part, part of his life. You know, especially the Wall Street life was just part of his life. And, um, you know, I've been to that state too, where I was defending my eating, Oh, I'm not so bad. I used to compare myself to everyone around me, whether I was at work or at school or even in the grocery store. Oh, I'm not so bad. I'm not so as large. I'm not the biggest person here. I'm not the biggest person here. But you know what? I became the biggest person. Definitely at work. I would go into every meeting and compare myself to everybody else that was there, and I became the biggest person by far. So um, I can really... I can really understand the phase that Bill is here. He's defending his drinking. He doesn't see it as a problem. And but he's trying to placate his wife and assure her that it's okay to drink. It's okay to drink. I'm a great man. I'm going to have great ideas while I'm drunk, basically. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rekepa. i also like to comment on what was read. This is Bill, can I share? And this is Bill. Yeah. This is Paula.
0: I hear I Bella, share and me. I hear and Vasa. Okay. okay, this is what I have so far, and then we'll catch up with the rest. I have Bella, Paula, Sharon, Vasa, and Raquel. Let's start with Bella, please. Good morning, Bella.
8: Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. Thank you very much. My name is Bella, and I am a thankfully covered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I would prove to the world I was important. it's so sad, and it's so sickening and Yes, I was there and now I am thinking how can how could I live this kind of life? I would prove to the world i need I needed the approval the approval from the whole entire world. I was never happy because it's not enough. I wanted the approval from the world, from you, from you, and it's not enough because I never saw the whole world. And what I needed the approval that I was important, my ego Yes, my ego that drove my life. I needed the approval that I am important, and when I didn't get the, impo- the, the approval when I was blamed and judged, then when I oh, then when I ran to the food, because the food was the only thing that didn't judge me the food was the only thing that didn't say nothing and then when I thought oh the food is telling me that I am important I I I, I lived in in a in, in a world in a in a kind of of life that I wasn't even thinking proper. Because I needed the approval that I am important. A thing that I, now that I am in a program, thank you, God, I know that it's a thing that I, will, I, would, never, I would never reach. It's an unreachable goal. Thank you, God, that now I am connected to a power of acceptance, a power of respect. I don't need the approval of the world. Thank you, God, and I praise. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Bella. Paula D. This is Paula, recovered
9: compulsive overeater. Can I be heard, by the way? Yes, yes, you can. Good morning, Paula. Good morning, and also uh, thank you for your service. You know, I'd like to camp out on these last couple of lines here, uh, if you would thus join me. Though my drinking, now I'm going to tell you here, I don't know what what what, what your addiction is. Here it's mind-compulsive eating, but whether it be drinking. Here the thinking is what I can identify with. took me to the same place. Though my drinking was not yet continuous. Notice he puts not yet. It disturbed my wife. I just love that. He wasn't disturbed by it. It was his poor wife. How many times? It's the family around us, the friends, and they're looking and they're going, "Whoa!" But let's let's move on here. We had long talks. Oh, I bet they were. When I would steal her forebodings, what her fear of what was going to happen, by telling her that men of genius, I got you gotta love this guy. I thought like this guy, that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk. Imagine. I bet you wouldn't know that if I didn't tell you. Or maybe you thought the same thing, that the most majestic construction of philosophical thought were so derived. He believed it. This is where the transformation must take place. He believed everything he said. The disease taught him better. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Sharon H. Good morning,
1: Melanie. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Can you hear me okay? Good morning, yes. Okay. Thanks, Melanie. uh, I am just so grateful to be going through this uh, chapter again about Bill's story because I have some notes here and one of them was I wrote that in this paragraph there are ten I's. You know, I took a law course, well, nothing wrong with that. Um, the drive for success was on, so the success was based on, you know, how he was going to be uh, very successful in his business. I would proved to the world I was important. And uh, then I became interested in the market. Some people got uh, lost money, but I, many became rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business. And then uh, we start to see where the drinking is interfering to a certain degree. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. Why did that happen? Well, I was too drunk to think or write. And... Um, so even though it was not continuous, it disturbed his wife, and I would steal her forebodings by telling her that men of genius. So I, 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 I. And that was just so interesting to me. When I read this a year ago, I have it on the here, that um, we I just see myself, you know. It was all about me and how I thought my life was going to work out, what I wanted and how I was going to go about getting it. And, uh, again, I ignored the warnings. I ignored these things that... Maybe just a little bit. I saw might be a problem, you know. Like he did when he uh, was so drunk, he he couldn't read. He couldn't even write to finish his finals. And um, with me, the compulsive overeating just uh, took me down. Uh, but I I continued. I I continued to believe that this was something that I could control. I could manage. Uh, because I didn't want to give it up. I didn't believe that I had a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body when it came to compulsively overeating. And I wanted to be able to learn how to manage these foods. And just like with the alcohol, I kept trying to go back and figure out how many bites of this or that that were my alcoholic foods I could have and then stop and not go over the edge with them like I'd done with the alcohol. So Again, I was trying to build a foundation on a lie, and and it will never work. It never did for me, and um, and I'm so grateful because then I uh, started listening to this uh, Vision for You OA Vision for You phone line meeting, and um, the doctor's opinion just hit me like, a, like I always say, like a, a laser beam of light shining into this darkened mind of mine, and I began to see the reality. And the truth for what it was and um, I'm just so grateful to be a part of this um, daily meeting and um, I I used it like a textbook I, I followed the directions I was told use it like a textbook I took notes just like I was in a college class and I I began to see that my big eye uh, my puny finite self-willed self was my problem, and uh, only God was the one that had the solution that would uh, be able to free me and keep me free and recovered from the bondage of food addiction. And that's available to all of us out there. And so I welcome all the newcomers. I welcome those that, like me, you know, went around that addiction cycle over and over and over again. But today I do have the gift of being recovered and staying recovered. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Melanie. <laughs> thank you, Sharon. Vasa. Oh, you're next.
10: Thank you, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for everybody being there. And I am a, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm calling from uh, Massachusetts. Uh, and I'm so grateful that you know. I started uh, my programs with the big book, and I'm grateful that I have identified with the disease that ident- identification and the allergy and the solution. Finally, 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 there was an answer to my problem that I'd been trying to find, and for years twenty five of twenty five years of my life to try to put the food down. Pick it up, put it down, trying to find a solution out there in the world, and nothing, nothing worked for me. And food was my friend. Food was my comfort. Comfort when I, you know, when I was afraid, when I was worried, when I was scared, scared I turned to food. So uh, I, I love listening. You know, I, I again going back to Bill's story, I can identify so much. You know, with some of the stuff. Uh, I tried to prove to the world that I was important, successful. The ego, I didn't, I didn't know anything about egos. I didn't know that was an ego, you know. I had, I didn't, like, I graduated from high school, barely graduated. You know, I, you know, this was my second language. I came when I was 15 years old. I didn't know the language. It was hard. School was hard. Coming from one country to another, culture shock, everything was hard. But anyways, I wanted to get married, you know, that's what I wanted, I was raised, you, women didn't go to school, you get married, and you, you surrender to your husband, so I threw my, you know, I threw myself into my marriage, I had to be the best wife, I had to be the best mother, I had to be the best housekeeper, there wasn't that much money, so I had to learn to do crafts. you know, had the best of that, the best cook, the best, mother, I mean, the best daughter, the best neighbor, whatever, you know, I tried to prove to the world to the point that it brought me into exhaustion, always looking for that love, always looking for that attention, acceptance, and uh, and I ran to the food, it was not working anymore, and yeah, I, you know, it was all, I used the word I, I many, many times, and I also used you you blamed blame my husband for things, but I thank God that I have the solution you know, and uh you know the allergy i I didn't understand that uh the you know sugars were drugs or food was drug I knew about I've learned a little bit of drugs well drugs are pills or drugs a little bit about the alcohol well, they should have control, why can't they put it down? Well, when I came and I started identifying, like, you know, I was powerless just as much as they were. And I loved it to the point that I didn't want to eat anymore. I wanted to, you know, I was so unhappy, you know, I, it was, there was no more joy in it. I was eating all the time. So, and I was developing physical problems and I, going up and down the stairs, you know, to do the laundry. It was getting more difficult than difficult. It's not like I didn't try to put the food down. Believe me, I tried to put it down many, many, many times. I just couldn't do it. So I needed to find a power greater than myself. And we will get into step three in a a while. But anyways, and I just threw myself in the programs. I threw myself into the steps. But first, I had to clear the mind. That's what I heard, you know. That would be time. I'll just wrap it up. Thank you. And we, I needed to put the sugars, I needed to put the food down and have my discipline, three meals a day. That's for me. And then work on the steps. Thank you for letting me share and I pass.
0: Thank you, Vasa. Raquel, you're next. And then we'll move on after Raquel share.
11: Hi, Melanie. Thank you for your service. And hi to all my very good friends on the line. This is Rachel calling from Jerusalem. And this is so important that we're staying on this paragraph to identify in because um, the, the problem of the self-image, uh, the, the grandiosity and the inferiority all woven together into such a mess. The drive for success was on, and uh, and I proved to the world I was important. The drive for success was was fueled by the by the big dreams that alcohol could afford him. He wasn't depressed yet; it's the very beginning. And I rem- my, remember myself. You know, there were times when when food seemed to help, until it it stopped helping and it stabbed me in the back. But more so, if we read uh, Bill's story in uh, his book Pass It On. It's so clear, you know, that, that little awkward child whose, whose parents left him with the grandparents, he had to prove that he's, he's worth it, and that's what he did all his life until until that drive cut him to ribbons. But for me, more than anything, the sentence, I proved to the world I was important. Never mind important, I proved to the world that I have the right to be here. Um, Being born during the war in 1941, I was very unwelcome, to say the least. And uh, it was made very clear, you know, just be quiet and nobody will notice you exist. So to work very hard for the right to exist, I think God did such big marvels for me that I survived until I found uh, the, the people who opened this big book for me. And the rest of the, all the literature to show me that I'm not alone, I'm not the only one. And as a matter of fact, I don't even know why I had to do it the hard way. Everybody else eh, arrived at the same results of being so ill-constructed that that God has to take me and us in His hands to to reshape, to refashion, and He's and He's doing it for me too, uh, amazingly. It's slow, sometimes I think I am in the category, I can't say it recovered, but I always go back to where where it says on page XX in the forward, I think the second forward, it says, you know, the 50% get sober, 25 sober after a while, but it says that that among the others who left, and uh, those who stayed who had big, big problems, showed improvement, so I'm showing some improvement. I had something with a neighbor, that I was able to straighten out because of the tenth step. I didn't see how I could ask forgiveness. that belongs to a different chapter. But I'm just saying any this book was God held Bill's hand when it was written. And it can help anybody, even people who are not addicted, to live that way. And I'm very grateful that all you my friends, all of you my friends, are there and that we're doing this again. Uh, so thank you very much and I pass.
0: Thank you, Raquel. And now we'll study and read on. Cheryl L., would you please read um, page 2, paragraph 2 for us as we continue our study?
12: Sure. Hi, it's Cheryl R., Cheryl R. from Virginia and um, uh, recovered, and thank you for letting me uh, read today. By the time I had completed the course, I knew the law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grip. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. Living modestly, my wife and I saved $1,000. It went into certain securities, then cheap and rather unpopular. I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise— I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and managements, but my wife and I decided to go anyway. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. Well, uh, again, still Cheryl sure R., this is um, a, a terrific uh, paragraph um, because, uh, again, and as has been discussed already, it goes to to Bill's ego, and I always heard ego was edging God out. He talks about here about the business and financial leaders were, were his heroes, not God, of course. And for me, my heroes, you know, when I was a kid, when I was first overeating, you know, were the monkeys or Bonanza or, you know, whatever um, uh, TV show or movie of the day. I, I was always... Uh, um, very impressed, you know, by by stories uh, done as entertainment, um, and and so, but this this comes to to boomerang and cut them to ribbons because it's one thing that you know sometimes people shared, you know, it's not just food, um, but behaviors, you know, uh, eating in front of the television, eating in films, stuff like that. Um, so they went hand in hand. These these false heroes. Um, uh, however loving stories and that's why in reading this book and hearing everybody uh, sharing you know the the, the good the good storyteller teller um, and and telling you know truthful experience um, goes on to educate you know like the like the parables in the Bible as well and um, there is a movie about uh, Bill Wilson called my name is Bill W it was done by Hallmark Hall of Fame and I remember at the beginning, Bill is ta- ta- talking to um, uh, Lois and Abby and saying, someday I want to be the head of an organization where everybody knows my name. Well, of course, that did become true in founding Alcoholics Anonymous. It didn't go the way he thought, but but um, it still that dream um, uh, came about, and it came about when he didn't. Uh, where he stopped being, or and it's not that he stopped being the know-it-all, but he he knew that somebody knew more, and that was God, and um, and so in this paragraph, when it when you know he says down here, um, well, I, I knew all this stuff, and I discovered many more reasons later on. Well, that that's the thing, you know. At first, you know, nobody could tell him anything, and I remember that was something my mom used to say to me when I was a. a kids she'd say oh Cheryl, i can't tell you anything because i would know it you know i would know it all and this you know caused me problems in program you know I, I was a quick learner but then you know i would um you know fall off the path because um i would know it all uh, or i'd get you know restless uh hearing things oh yeah i know that i know that whereas if in each moment when I remain teachable and say okay this person you're getting irritated with or, or bored or, oh my gosh why isn't something happening faster there's something in this very moment that needs to be learned and the funny thing is back in this paragraph when uh bill says that he and his wife you know decided to go anyway um they were learning learning the the information out on the road um you know for for his uh, his investments um but also he was learning what he couldn't handle you know he uh you know his his character defects came about there so all of it was used all of it was used later on in being able to be compassionate and listening and um understanding his fellow, fellow alcoholics um but one last thing here too is that when it, it talks about the inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had him in his grip um, or in in its grip that's the thing we 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 uh, the, uh, being in the grip of something you know it's just got you fast, and that 's it with the compulsive overeating and the mental obsession and and the ego and that 's why each day um when, when I get up and I meditate, God, you know, help me to be teachable. Let let me follow your way. And this is why the 12 steps and, and you know, reading these pages each day is so important because it's got to be present. I mean, you wouldn't just floss your teeth once, you know, or I brush my teeth. Yep, I did that in 1984, I'm done. You know, doesn't work that way. So um, anyway, this is uh, a, ter- terrific a terrific paragraph, uh, terrific section that we're reading here today and um uh I just uh, appreciate being part of this meeting. Thank you for letting me share my pass.
8: Thank you.
0: Who would like to comment on what was read? Sherry
13: K Georgia. Suji.
0: I hear Sherry K and Suji and probably we could take one more. Who else? Kim. Hi Kim, that would be great. So we'll start with Sherry. Good morning, Sherry.
13: Thank you, Melanie. Um, this is Sherry Kay, uh grateful, um compulsive overeater. And if it hadn't been for my disease, I would not have found <clears throat> a God of my understanding. Um you know, I can say that today. I may not say that tomorrow, just being honest here. Um the paragraph, um I took a night law course. Uh you know, he talks about, I mean, he has all this confidence um, and, uh, you know, wanting to be, you know, it, capital IT. And um, for me, I was just the opposite. Um, just, uh, I'm kind of at a loss of words, but for me, it was just the opposite. And uh, as long as I I had my binge food, um it didn't matter that, yeah, I was comfortable, of course, with the numbing effect of that, but um, it didn't matter that uh, I was just mediocre. I didn't have, um, first of all, I didn't have any confidence at all, and um, so I didn't have this drive to be, um, to, to achieve, um, and, um, I mean, you know, it and, and full of fear, <clears throat> but the opposite has happened now that I am um abstinent and and I am discovering um confidence, uh, not only through OA but um a lot through Al Anon that um that I never had before. Uh and I'm willing to try new things. Uh, anyway, I, that was all that's all I wanna share and it's uh, thank you. Thank you for all of y'all being out here and um and thank you for this program. Um, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Sherry.
14: Sue G. Hi, good morning. It's Sue G. We're covered in southeastern Pennsylvania and grateful. And uh I I try to define who I am in in this reading, so let's see. Okay, the inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grip. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. (coughs) Pretty grandiose, if you ask me. And then, uh, but you didn't ask me, I asked me. Then comes the, the, I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and managements, but my wife and I decided to go anyway. How's that for defiance? I had developed the theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets, those fools. I discovered many more reasons later on. So um, I'd like to preface any further comments by saying this, this is the journey, the beginning of the journey from ego, edging God out, to edgy, edging God in. And I would like to introduce myself as a follower of Melanie Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, Abraham Maslow, and Larry, Payback Larry, Sarah, Zonta, Rakesid, I think I missed a few, Paula, Sharon H., Vasa O., um, Raphael, and Cheryl R., and I think it was Sherry before me, but I may have that wrong. Okay, so here we are. Um, so I I really relate my my own story to this. Okay, so so I became a doctor, and what was behind that, I think is what's behind it for a lot of doctors, we want to conquer death. For me personally, the story was that, that a whole bunch of my beloved relatives died when I was a child, ending with my father dying when I was a freshman in college, and I never really dealt with that very well. My family couldn't they they just didn't have the equipment they were wonderful people, but they didn't have the equipment instead, we were Jewish, we ate, we ate, and I ate and and so I ate when I was sad, I ate when I was lonely, I ate when I was happy, I ate when I was joyous i I'm a compulsive eater i I knew it, but the eating is but a symptom, and the underlying trouble was much more about this delusion that I, a doctor, now I could conquer death. Whoa. And I've told you the story of sitting at the bedside of someone with a hopeless blood clot in his leg. And I was invited to sit with him by my chief resident who said, sit with him and, and just be there for him. And I witnessed the most spectacularly moving thing between this man and his wife where he sent his wife down to have coffee and said, I'll sit there with the pretty medical student while you go to have coffee. I I guess I was a doctor then, but, um, but barely, barely, an intern. And so I'm reviewing my whole life here now because of things that have happened in my family's life recently, and I see that all these things that I thought were so sad, so difficult, they were a gift. Every one of them was a gift to learn to deal better with life, to have a happy life. I'm having a happy life, even though my husband is having a biopsy, or rather he's had his biopsy. He's having his That would be time? Tomorrow. And the time is up. I thank you, Melanie. And I pass.
0: Thank you. Kim G.
15: Thanks, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that would one day turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. So alloy is combination. So out of this alloy of drink and speculation. So what is driving Bill? He's giving us that idea. It's about being successful in business. It's about getting money. So what is that for me? What is that for you? those on the line you know for me it was popularity maybe for you it's being the best mother the best wife living in the right neighborhood wearing the right pair of jeans what are we pursuing that we need relief from because we're seeing here the prior paragraph he's saying potential alcoholic that he was he's, he knows he's not an alcoholic yet but he sees it's his thinking that is his bigger problem i need relief i need relief from being me I am so uncomfortable in my own skin. And he's acknowledging all those things about his inner workings that me needs relief from and he finds that relief in drink. So I think of page 51 where it says, once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they are making a heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drape question, Tell why living was so unsatisfactory. So that's what he's talking about. Leaving aside the drink problem, why was life so unsatisfactory? Why could he never get satisfied? You know, I think for myself. You know, I come from my mom's side. come from this large Irish Catholic family. I'm one of the youngest of of many cousins, and I never felt comfortable. I always felt left out. I always felt less than. Why was I so uncomfortable? But I found. When I ate, I felt a little more comfortable. I felt a little bit more accepted. I felt a little more part of. So I craved that. I needed that release from that uncomfortability. You know, I think my father would tell me and my brother, kids, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And my brother would take that as, cool, I can hang out, have a good time, and enjoy myself. But I took it as, oh, my God, I better be number one. If I take a test, I better take I'll be 100. If I play basketball, I better be the MVP. So really, it is my way of dealing with life. My dad said the same exact thing to me and my brother, and yet we took it totally differently. It had nothing to do with what my father said. It had to do with my own uncomfortability. So what I would do is I would take that and I would forge that into a weapon that eventually would take me out. But I had to recognize that it wasn't the food The food was the relief I got from the real problem, which was me. My uncomfortability with me. It's that free me from the bondage of self. I got to get out of self because that is my true problem. And with that, I pass. Thank you,
0: Tim. We have time for one more share before we close out. Who would like to take that spot? This is Anita Jay. Anita Jay, good morning. It's your turn.
4: Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Anita J. recovered in Massachusetts, and I wasn't going to share why. I don't know. I get these thoughts. But I really identify with something here in that he had a plan. He thought this was going to really do it for him. And, you know, I I had those kinds of dreams. I was going to hit Broadway. I mean, what is it about New York? I was going to hit Broadway, And, you know, amaze everybody. And instead, I found Mr. Quote, quote, right, who was from New York. And that was going to fix me. I, I was following dreams based in childhood and never evaluated a thing. I mean, to think that a little kid, the little kid inside of me planned my life, And, I, you know, I was always looking for a God, but he wasn't. He wasn't the God I know today and the God I hear on the lines. And um, now I think my goals in life are, you know, really walk walk humbly with my God, do the next right thing, uh, take care of myself and those he puts in my path, And to do service, service. It's just a totally different way. And I'm so grateful that I heard it on the lines. I hear it from all over this country and other countries. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Anita. And thank you to everyone that shared today on the line. Appreciate that very much. And uh, that brings us to the end of our meeting for today. I will ask Rachel M, please, to close us out. By reading from the big book on page 164, and then we'll follow that by the Serenity Prayer. Good
16: morning. Good morning. This is Rachel M., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick.